Hello and welcome to Bored and Sassy. I'm Val. And I'm Sam. And we're here to bring you Disney news, discussion, and opinions with a sassy grown-up bent. Today we're mostly gonna fucking rage. Yeah. (laughs) We're gonna talk about uh, the new version of Parties. Uh, We're going to talk about the Disney Genie app, and we do have some silly shit. Uh, And for a new beginning of episode disclaimer, uh, from I think the past few we've said this, but we have our very own Uncle Orville-style perennial house guest at this point, so if you hear weird banging noises or the odd scream in the background, that would be our... uh, Maybe legally not ours, but probably kind of ours, uh, Cockatoo Polly, who has been here for eight months now for a two-week, can-you-please-take-care-of-my-bird-for-short-term situation. So, if you hear weird noises, it might be that. All right, it's time to rage. The boobash was a test, and we fucking failed. They announced, what was it, last week or so, they replaced Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, just like they replaced Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, with a quote-unquote after-hours event that at least has a parade, but still has no stage show, and still has sightings rather than meet-and-greets. It is priced, my dudes, at $169 to $229, $249 on the dates closest to Christmas, with 169 being totally atypical and the vast majority of dates being over $200. $169 was the highest non-Halloween night price for the fucking boobash. So the boobash was a test to see how high they could price things. They sold it out, so the Christmas one is way higher. Very merriest's floor, which is only four nights, so only those four quote-unquote cheap nights was literally the ceiling of the boobash. Right. Right. Uh, what, what the fuck? And like the boobash, there is like a $10 early, you know, the earliest dates or whatever, you can get $10 off if you're an AP. Ten whole dollars? We got like 30 bucks off or something. Like we got... We paid in 2017 $89 for Very Merry Christmas Party, which was, I think, that was before we were APs. That's the whole Christmas party with meet and greets, stage show, fireworks, parades, like full party experience. Special fireworks, too. Special fireworks. Now, granted, like, it was also more crowded than an after-hours event, theoretically, but we'll get into it later, but it doesn't look like these are actually as calm as the old after hours were either. So anyway, 2017, $89. Not so scary. We went twice in 2018, $94. After hours in 2019, $95. After hours in early 2020, $99. What I paid for Disney after hours for April 2020 that got canceled was also $99. What I paid for Villains After Hours in April 2020, which was canceled, $115. So we went from $115 for the themed After Hours to 
you know, up to 170 for the fucking Halloween ones. And then we went, that's the lowest price for the Christmas ones. I get that I'm looking at prices from years before. I get that this past year has been hard. It is bonkers to me to pay that much more for basically a pared down version of either of the holiday parties. So I'm I'm really curious. You know, I'm I'm naturally going straight to my my marketing brain that I've had to develop because of my my career. I'm not in marketing really personally by trade because I'm an engineer, but I've worked on engineering products that are marketing related. So my brain is going, you know, two things. Is this is this another test? Is this seeing how far they can push it and still sell out? Is this them expecting it to have lower attendance as a result of the pared down features for that amped up price? Um, And is the goal there, you know, is it a purposeful attempt to make these quiet? Um, And if so, why? Um, Is it also representative, like the lack of stage show, is that because they don't want to commit to hiring all of the people that they would need to It's because they don't fucking care about performers. Right. Well, and and I think think that's a big one. I think it's, you know, a, a lot of these shows, I feel like in the past were kind of existed in part to make sure that there was steady work for a certain type of performer, right? Um, so that then, you know, it wasn't like right, you, you need had them people for, that were there for, for one, one month show, right. and then gone the rest of the year. Like, yeah. what are they going to do? Yeah. Like, you know, work at Waffle House? No. It just feels like during the pandemic, when they had to close a lot of the entertainment, they've now gone, oh, do we really need live entertainment in the parks? And like, yes, you fucking do. I'm sorry. I don't just go for the rides. Right. I go for the atmosphere. I go for the parades. I go for the fucking stage shows. Yes, including the goofy ass, like Disney's Renaissance Friend Fair. Like, I don't care. I'll still fucking watch that. I go for Festival of the Lion King right, every right. fucking time. And like Festival time. of the Lion King is fortunately back, but it right. feels like they're looking at, well, where can we get away with paring these down? And so the Boobash doesn't even fucking have a proper parade. It has like cavalcades or whatever, which, which still which, something, but. But still like compared to. Not so scary. Not so scary. Oh my That's, God. Like I know, I know that there are some really good parades. Like that parade was Festival a of Fantasy experience. is great. Um, or what is that what it's called? Yeah. Right? Yeah, Festival the, of Fantasy. The normal parade. Yeah, the, the normal, yeah, yeah. the quote-unquote yeah, normal, yeah. yeah. Um, but that, that Halloween parade was... Booty You is the fucking coolest fucking thing ever. Fucking great. It's so cool. Like the Shovel Boys, whatever yep, they're called. The like Shovel they're, Boys, oh, the man, fucking ghosts, the sparks. like all the villains. Oh, Fucking bowler so hat guy, good. like suck my dick, it's the greatest thing ever. It's just such, it's such a different <laughs> flavor than so many of their parades. But, right, right. But... And, and there's just a ton of unique stuff packed in there. And then, like, that alone was worth the, the cost of admission. The cost of admission, of admission yeah. Um, but then if you add in the stage show, which was oh my a God. blast. Oh it my was God. always a blast. You can't, Even if you're a, a mile back and can't really see we it. We saw two different, like, casts of it because we went twice. The trip that we went to the Halloween party, we were like, we're probably not going to come back again at this time of year. And we liked it so much, we bought another night that trip. Right. And the stage show was a huge part of it. It was so fucking cool. And 
this idea that like, oh, it's fine, like as if nobody goes to these things. It really worries me when I see them pairing back the performance aspects. There were as many people there for that as there were for fireworks on a normal night. Like it was oh, yeah. packed. Mm -hmm. It was packed. So so yeah, my my question is, what's what's the plan? Is this just them being cheap and trying to save money? Is this something that is truly temporary just because they are trying to re recuperate losses nah, they'll never and we can expect down. it to, to add? Well, yeah, here's, here's the, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, maybe it's just new Coke. <laughs> maybe it's that they're going to take no. away the thing that we loved, right? Take away yeah. the thing that we loved by showing us a new thing that's different that we hate. Yeah. And then when they give us back exactly what we ask for, if it's a little bit different and a little bit cheapened in some right. ways, we won't mind so much right. because we'll be so happy to have it back that we don't right. care that there's actually 50% less value in there somehow, yeah. or the cap is much higher and it's going to be crowded yeah. or something. You know, I, just, I don't know. I, I do wonder, I wonder what the reviews coming out of it are going to be like, like coming out of the Boobash, because it just started recently. Um, and... I do wonder what people are going to be saying about their experience with it because there was a guy vlogging the other night, opening night. I didn't initially, I clicked it initially because I was like, I want to pretend I'm at Disney World for a little while, but then I was like, I can't watch this like live vlogging shit. But I clicked into it after because I was curious about crowd levels. It does not look like a normal after hours level of crowds. It was not like, oh, you're walking through Frontierland and there's literally no one in sight or Liberty Square. Like we could walk through the parks and see almost no one. Like maybe a line of 10 people at a, a food kiosk, but like it was not, it was honestly, you, you would not see hardly anyone there. Right. Versus like, very Merry, which one of the nights that we went to, I think an, an off-duty cast member told us that, like, this one was sold out or something and was, they like, were, so the 20,000 people or something. Right, but. and so it was less crowded. The Boobash looked less crowded than a normal party, but more crowded than a normal after hours. So... Well, and here's a question. Is it, uh, is it limited attractions yes, during it uh, as well? Do we know how limited? Because that's another thing I'm really interested in. I don't remember if I looked into whether or not the attractions are limited, but it's basically the same as like an after, the Disney After Hours. Okay. So allegedly, it's, it is Disney After Hours boobash. Like, oh, okay. It so is it an is after, after Hours, hours. event. Okay. So you aren't okay. getting, though, a true After Hours low crowd empty park experience. Maybe it's still low enough to make it worth it for people. But the price being higher than a normal after hours for more of a crowd and for less shows and stuff than the party, like it still just feels shitty. It feels like you're paying more to get less. And again, you're not getting a true party experience because you can't fucking meet the characters and there's no stage show. And with the boobash, there was no parade even. There was just cavalcades. So like you're paying all of this money to get less of a product. And obviously this is relatively typical Disney stuff. Like over time, they start taking stuff away. They're fucking taking Disney's Magical Express away. Like they're there to make money and I get it, but it sucks because the other problem that I saw with both of these events, because these same comments were happening about Very Merriest as were about Boobash, people saying, oh, I hear you have to go to this one. It's a can't miss. Because they're thinking it's 
the Halloween party or the Christmas party. They've heard the Halloween party and the Christmas party, and they think that's what this is. So they're paying for it, not knowing that you used to get a lot more for that money. Yeah, that that does feel kind of bait and switch because it's it's really easy as a Disney people who go every <laughs> year um, to to be like, oh yeah, of of course you would notice that this isn't the same thing. But Most if this is wouldn't. someone's one trip in right. in this decade or in their whole childhood or whatever right. happening, going to this year's not party is going to be pretty disappointing. But it's like, if they don't know what they're missing, does it really matter? Like, maybe it fucking doesn't. But to me, I'm like, I don't fucking go to that. Yeah. I have no well, interest. I feel like, I feel like what concerns me about it is that it feels like a short-sighted, short-sighted money grab. Yeah. Because they don't care if, as long as it sells out this year, they don't really care if it makes people less likely to spend 160 right. bucks on a not party right. next year or 200 bucks or whatever. Um, so as, as long as they can get away with it, they right. can do it. They can recoup some money without paying more performers or whatever, right. whatever their motivation is. Um, and next year, I figure if there's, if there's backlash and the sales are low next year, then they can always say, Oh, or, you know, they'll play up the new and improved, right. like look at everything we've added right. and bring people right back. Because then anyone who reads anything bad about this year will say, Oh, but they fixed all that. Right. They addressed all right. that. It just sucks. It's the whole thing sucks. It It is again, concerning to me be, that, that so many of the cuts to the Christmas one like the Halloween one are in performers because it feels like a continuation of the sort of push to see if we can find ways to cut back on live entertainment. Like it just feels like that. I just worry about it. Like I just worry about live entertainment continuing to be a priority in the parks because it was an obvious thing to cut during the pandemic, like walk around characters and stuff. And like singing is a way great way to fucking spread COVID. And like, we're obviously still in the pandemic, but it being the pandemic is obviously not the motivation for them scaling back the performers because as they are scaling back the performers, they are also lessening their fucking mask requirements again, while Florida is like the epicenter of COVID-19 right now. So like, It's not a safety thing. It's a fucking cut and corners thing. Well, and performers make up such a small percentage of the cast members you need to make the parks run. Right. That it's almost negligible just from like a a mass, like, It just feels like an excuse to be like, Like, we're just going to see if anybody fucking cares about this. Yeah. It's like, I fucking do. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. So TLDR shit sucks and hopefully they, hopefully this is just pandemic time stuff, but I don't think it is. Cause I think if any time you can get away with charging more for less, why not do it? So, uh, did you hear about the genie app? I heard about it, but I need you to fill in the details. Wow, wow. I really, that's... (laughs) I know, I know a little bit. I was going to, like, make a stupid joke about, like, it it sucks or something. Well, here's here's your... Right right for the setup. (laughs) Here's your opportunity for exposition. (laughs) 
Not to make it fucking because we're not awkward. a news podcast. We're not a but, break, no. But we I can mean, it was one of those seconds. like, does this thing actually exist? And surprise, it does exist. And here are the deets came out yesterday. Um, yesterday, I think so. So it's basically like it seems like it's basically touring plans and paid fast pass put together. Um, it it lets you tell it like I like princesses and roller coasters and it'll like kind of put together a rough itinerary for your day I guess um and also I think might give you alerts throughout the day of like um like this ride is low right now you might want to run over there because the wait times are low like it's that kind of thing so it kind of strikes me as touring plan Z or of like using EZWDW or any of the other sites that give right. you sort of like, here's what a good day strategy is. Like, it's basically, we found all those fucking Disney bloggers and we're stealing their ideas. Um, they would never. They would never. Uh, and then as part of this rollout, because of course you knew they would not just separately one day say fast passes are fucking paid now. Um, fast passes are fucking paid now. So there is a $15 per ticket per day paid quote unquote lightning lane option um, that allows you to get a fast pass for a ride throughout the day. Basically exactly like the old paper fast passes where you can only have one at a time. So you can get one for a ride and then once you do that, you can get another one. So there's none of this Three months ahead, I have all of my shit for the day. There is none of this, you know, I have three already stacked at the beginning of the day. Like everyone has to just get there one at a time, which might make weights go down as a pseudo advocate of getting rid of fast pass because I'm sort of of both minds on it. It might help. It really might help make the standby lines move more if it means that they do also lower capacity for fast passes. In part, not having people have three throughout the day immediately might help. Um, and as long as they don't make the capacity super, like match what it used to, it might make standby lines go down, which would be really cool. Yeah, um, I think I think that that is very likely just based on the data that we have from how, how fast pass used to work. Exactly. And how long standby lines used to be for given park attendance numbers. Yeah, just because it's so, rolling windows. And then right. also if you combine that with the app pinging you that a ride you want to go on is low, like maybe it'll be better. Um, and then there are certain attractions that are separate, uh, like a separate cost. So I paid for the lightning lane, but I also have to pay $20 to go on mine train or something like that. So right. there is the regular lightning lane and then there is also... Um, specific like e-tickets basically probably will be pay extra to play as it were. And I don't and I know think, if they're going to like discount it if you bought the other lightning lane or if right. you can do it without buying lightning. Like, I don't know. I think that's also good though. Like I, I want to come at this one, not from a, a totally negative perspective, but I think that hear me out. If they didn't do that and they only did regular lightning lane for every attraction, then there would be people who would go, you know, use their lightning lane you know, use their their genie lightning lane, whatever, for 
the same attraction over and over again, and it would be the attractions that yeah, always yeah, yeah, have long yeah. lines. And that's fine. Like I'm and not, that's, I'm not okay, actually that negative you know? on it. I'm just saying that like it's interesting that they were like, so pay for it, and then maybe also pay for something additional. Like right. well, it, it is all that's, very that's classic nickel and diamond. Nickel and diamond. Um, yeah. But at the same time, um, I still think that's really good. I think I think returning to a system where it is not something where you just, you know, it's it's this, you shape your day around your fast passes, right. which as much as we use that, as much as we use that to sort of guide our planning on our days, I do really like the idea of having a, you know, being in a virtual line basically mm-hmm. is what it is instead. Right. Um, which means that you can go get food or go walk around right, right. while you're effectively waiting in line, which is, is I mean, it, honestly, I think they should find a way to do that in general. Um, you know, the, the, the standby lines are a cool experience if they're a really cool line. Um, but they would make more money if they could find a way to have everybody be in virtual line instead of literal line. Yeah. And it is like that, the fact that it is rolling through the day does make me wonder if like we will see that the capacity is better managed, but, um, I do, I hope, I hope, I am hoping that paid fast pass is a way to get rid of fast pass because or a way to to lower dependence on fast pass because i went in 2011 and we didn't have pre-planned fast passes we got paper fast passes through the day yep you know when we went to disneyland they had max pass but yeah. we mostly did i think we mostly still did like paper fast whatever like you don't have to fucking pre-plan everything and it, it's nicer in some ways to feel like, okay, I'm going to this park and I have these goals for the day with the idea being that if there's one you really want to get on, guarantee yourself a fast pass if you want to pay for it. But that also the standby lines are hopefully going to be low enough that most people can wait in them and not lose two hours of their day and not not be moving. Because the issue with fast pass is because of the imbalance in capacity between fast pass and standby, you would wait in a line not moving for like 15 minutes sometimes while they let the fast pass queue clear because there were too many fast pass people at once. So like if you're in a line that's constantly moving, you at least feel like you're fucking getting somewhere. Yeah. And like the there have been arguments made about well, it lets me plan. And this is what I always used to say is like, it lets me plan my days and it lets me say, okay, if I really can't wait in line for things, like I can at least guarantee that I can get on these specific attractions. Um, the thing is with that though, you couldn't always guarantee you were going to get on those attractions because you could get up at ass o'clock in the morning, jump on your fucking computer and all of the fast passes you wanted could already be gone. Because someone had a trip three days longer than you and the last two days were the first two of yours and you couldn't get your Magic Kingdom day. You couldn't get a fucking Haunted Mansion Fast Pass. Like that kind of stuff happened. So it isn't like, like it was a system that only worked for people who were really good at it and it didn't even work for those people all the time. Yeah, exactly. It, it felt like a system that overly rewarded only the people who are going to go really hard. Like super go fucking really type extra A, super Disney and fans. And worse than that, like you mentioned, it favors people with longer trips. Which, as someone with longer trips than average, um, yeah, we we benefited from that. We mm-hmm. could get fast passes for almost anything yep. on our last few days of our trip. 
Um, what that means is it really fucking sucks to be a three-day trip person. Right. Because there are fast passes for nothing. You can wake up early in the yep. morning and there are fast passes for nothing because everyone with a four or longer day trip has already snatched them up. Yep. And there's limited capacity. So this this feels more fair, I even though... I called it the equalizer. Like it was an right. equalizing move. Right. Um, it's, it's an equalizing move. Um, it should provide a fair bit of smoothing. Um, it should still allow you to plan your day around things and expect to be able to do it, even if you don't have a fast pass two months in advance. Right, right. Um, and... I mean, the, the big thing that I really like is that it it does open the door for more spontaneity right. in your planning than you would be able to have if you're going to be as efficient as we, we've tried to be right. sometimes. Right. And for us, that's actually really important because sometimes we would have three fast passes back to back and we might have a, a bad day for our bodies or something and not really leave the hotel room until... Mid afternoon, miss all of them, and miss all of yeah. them, and we just had to kind of accept that we were going to miss a couple of fast passes, which also frustrated me because that led to what I kind of think of of as the the airline overbooking problem, but yeah. for fast passes because they plan their fast pass capacity, expecting some people to not show up yep. for their time window uh-huh. because everybody just got three because you get three. Yep. And threw two of them away half the time yep. and just didn't show up for but them. But if they didn't do but that. But if they didn't throw it out, <laughs> then you end up with the yeah. stuck standby line because everyone happened to show up at the same overlapping chunks yep. of their windows yep. and there were no people that decided not to go on Big Thunder. Mm-hmm. And then there are a bunch of really angry, sweaty people in the Big Thunder standby line or whatever Yeah, um, because, because of that unforeseeable event. Right. Whereas... If you have to go explicitly say, this is my one, you're not going to do that on a, on a whim true. unless you're going to actually go on it. That's true, because it because blocks you from getting right, another one. Right. Yeah, and yeah I think, that's a good point. I think that that's actually a really clever solution to their overbooking problem, right. where they had to overbook for fast passes yeah, yeah. in order to not have it be totally dead. Yeah, yeah. I, um... I will say too, now obviously when I went in April, there were still some capacity restrictions, but when I went in April, I got on everything I wanted to get on and I used DAS like, I think the average would be less than twice a day. So there were a couple days where I used it twice. There was one that I used it three times. There were some that I didn't use it at all. Like, so not having fast pass at all, I still managed to get on everything I wanted to get on. And some of the things that I dasked would have been like a relatively doable weight. Like I used my DAS for uh, runaway railway and like, I probably could have made that weight, but I had had a tough day and I was trying to just like, not like heat exhaust myself into flares. Um, but it was only a 20 minute wait. So like, I probably could have either waited in that line or waited for it to go down and not necessarily needed to use that DAS. So like the reality of it is the lines are more doable with lower capacity. And when I say there's lower capacity in the parks, there was also lower capacity on the rides. So the fact that there were still some weights in standby lines or whatever, that doesn't really tell us a ton because they were lowering the number of people who could be in a ride vehicle and stuff as well. So, right. um, Right. So yeah, yeah, that's a difficult measure with, it's hard to figure out, but it, it, it was still very doable experientially speaking. And other folks who have gone to the parks more often, um, 
in the pandemic without FastPass since capacity went back up have said it's still better without FastPass. Yeah. Uh, the Genie app also includes, uh, they mentioned something about uh, disability access service, um, and it might be easier to set up. Um, they mentioned new options to enroll in the program pre-arrival and for DAS participants to select attractions directly in the app. So these are available in addition to their existing in-person go, tell them you need DAS, you know, go to the attraction and get your wait time. But it sounds like you might be able to, before you get there, say, look, I need DAS. And uh, also maybe like the fast passes, say, I would like a return time for this ride remotely, effectively, without having to go up to the cast member Tell them, hey, I need a return time and all that stuff. I'm curious I, to see what that does. Um, yeah, I, I hope it's that. I hope it's that you can basically remotely have the interaction that you would have with a cast right. member in person. Because that's something that's always bugged me a little bit. Not because I think it's unfair or anything, but because if someone has, um, you know, if, if they need DAS for a reason that makes it difficult for them to go there once... Making them go there twice if it's all the way to the ass end of the park for an attraction or something, um, that's that kind of stinks. You know, if it's if it's they were only going to go to Galaxy's Edge for this one thing and they have to go all the way out there, talk to a person and they say, okay, you know, come back or whatever. You know, if it's if it's full, I don't know. It's, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> like going to get the return time and then leaving again. And then, like, going out right. back into the park. Right. Yeah. Because, it I mean, does, if, if the removes, whole point is yeah. that, that you can't, if you are not able to wait in line, um, then you may also not be able to hang out in that area. And, you know. Yeah. It's mostly, it. the thing for me that I think might benefit is, and this depends on what the experience is in the whole pre-arrival enrollment, um, but I wonder if it'll remove some bias. Because I have had people say... Um, they were denied DAS. Like I've heard of stories of people being denied DAS and I wonder if it will help folks with invisible disability. I wonder if it will also help folks destigmatize themselves and not worry about going up looking like an able-bodied person, an able person to this window and go like, hey, I have a disability that I don't have a camera. Like yeah. maybe it'll lessen some of that pressure of feeling like, oh, they're going to judge me or they're going to think I'm lying or whatever. Because the truth of it is that it's there because if you need it, you're supposed to use it. Like it's not there to say your disability doesn't count or your disability isn't good enough, which took me a long time to get to for myself and so I get it but it really is there to be used um and yeah so it might also help with that that destigmatization for people themselves um I do wonder if the app is going to ask if you use a mobility device because that is one thing that really commonly comes up in like some of the Disney Facebook groups I've been in or like Reddit or wherever is people are like well I get to go to the front of the line because I have a an ECV. And you're like, well, no, that's what it used to be before DAS. Now it's that you get this. And the reason for that is because people were renting themselves out to, to uh, groups of guests to get them to the front of the line as sort of like a VIP tour situation. Right. Um, and the thing that's tough about it is they do tend to say, well, if you have a wheelchair, you don't need it. But you could have a wheelchair and also have IBS. You could have a wheelchair and also have 
I see. Like there are all kinds of different reasons that you might need to not be in line. Um, the ADHD, like a lot of kids, uh, the reason that they get it is ADHD and like an inability to, to just stay in line and be okay and not just like freak the fuck out. Um, which I identify with. Um, and a lot of those things, it's like, well, you can have that and a wheelchair. And so I'm wondering if the app is going to have like some form of a checklist for like, I have a mobility device. Do you, and then have it be like, do you also have a condition that makes it difficult to wait in line? Because it's not about whether you can stand in the line or not. It's literally just about whether you can like wait, like can you wait? If you can wait in your wheelchair, then you don't need to get DAS. And in some rides, you will still go to the front of the line because right. you can't get through the queue. Like that's still a thing that happens sometimes. Um, but I'm wondering if they're going to still try that because of the fact that DAS came about because people who use wheelchairs were making a side business right. of getting people to the front of the line. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that all plays out, but I am hopeful that the remote options kind of allow you know more flexibility yeah i i hope so um i think i think it's a good thing to be using technology for as long as they don't completely remove a lot of the existing options because i think those are important too yeah yep It's time for the silly shit in Disney Films Corner! So today's theme is Beauty and the Beast, and um, there is a line that Cogsworth says. He says, you know what the master will do if he finds there's a human in the castle. Has he found other humans in the castle before? Like, that wasn't like, oh, no, he might. It's, you know what the master will do right. if he finds a it's human. It's not, you can imagine what the master will exactly. do. Exactly. It's, you know. You it's, know. So I'm like, okay, Maurice wasn't the first one? Was there a fucking, did you, did, did you let them all just rot away in the dungeon? Like, were the other cells full of fucking corpses? What? It puts a different <laughs> spin on it, too, then, because it's like, here's, here's... Beast finally figuring out how to be human again and loving Belle, you know, and and the sweet side of him is coming through as she's unknowingly, you know, dancing around on these grounds, you know, a few <laughs> feet above rotting corpses from all of the villagers that came before. Seriously. Like, it was too ominous of a statement. That was not like, it was not you can imagine. It was, you know what the master will do. Like, what? <laughs> so. God damn it. I have a theory. <laughs> because I always do. Um, and that's that there's more lore than than we're seeing here. Oh, okay. Right? okay. Um, there's the missing, the missing lore. Um, and that is that, that there's, um, there's some mechanism by which... You can add another human to the to the the staff of the house. I was kind become, of wondering if they that become was furniture it. or whatever. I did have that thought. And so, if you find a human in the house, you know, 
beast can click his heels together or whatever, <laughs> whatever the, the enchantress or whatever yeah. um, uh, added as his extra stipulation because, you know, uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't want him to have a, a, a wonderful life. They just, they want him to, to fall in love, right? That's the, mm-hmm. that's the whole point. So, um, he can't have friends or anything. Surely they also need to turn into furniture. Ah, uh, fair. Um, so, so anytime someone comes around, there's like a ticking, ticking clock on how long it is before they just get poofed into, uh, into furniture. Or maybe, maybe if he doesn't do that, maybe the time that he spends around humans makes the, the, the petals fall off faster if he doesn't turn them maybe. into furniture. So. I mean, the you know what the master will do definitely makes it sound more like the beast would take a specific action, but like, fair, I guess. I mean, he did take a specific, he clicked his heels, remember? Why would he click That's his the, heels to make himself more sad? Uh, because otherwise his his flower petal will die. They'll fall Oh, fall right. They'll fall right. faster. Yeah, remember, this is a really contrived theory, okay? <laughs> I have to come up with something. Why are you like DMing a fucking D&D game right now because you seriously this is not like I didn't actually have a silly shit thing in the notes until we like five seconds before we started recording so you've only had like 45 minutes to noodle on this I mean some of them in the past when I just didn't read the show notes I was coming up with it on the spot right so So, like you clearly you should just be DMing a fucking D&D game because you have this whack ass bullshit imagination of like or I guess imagination that allows you to bullshit because <laughs> you just always come up with something so you get that campaign... fucking look on your face and you go i have a theory <laughs> okay i'm starting a campaign it's called disney quandaries oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. Ugh, you're fired from this podcast it's just all all about the secret and perverse lore that we find hints of in the silly shit that we've pointed out. We probably should do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I think our, our Monsters Inc. observations especially, there's just so Dude. much weird shit about that universe. Yeah. Like, I really want to explore that universe because it doesn't make any fucking yep, sense. it really doesn't. Re, re-watching the beginning of that and seeing, like, the vendor on, the, you know, like, the the grocer on the side of the road or whatever. Yeah. Um, Just, like, wait, wait, what? the? Okay, so they do eat, but... Like, who feeds the giant one? What have right, they eat? Right, right. And also, like, like, that guy was selling fresh produce, but the rest of them just are eating trash all the time. Right. Like, what Whose is the... Whose trash is it? Also, what the fuck happened to that guy whose body fell through the storm grate? Like, what? Right. What? Right. How did they fix that? How does he... Is he where is his brain? Like, okay, anyway. Well, yeah, yeah now we're getting metaphysical because there now are definitely we're... some... Some like <laughs> now weird just... things going on, like where, where even, where even for a blob of goo that is completely transparent, does its thonker exist? Yeah, like, but where... also like we're getting into like all, here's all of the other topics we could ever talk about. It's yeah. all for Monsters, Inc. It's yeah. true. So yeah, tell us your fucking theories about what Cogsworth meant there or whatever. All right, so that's been our show. Uh, you can uh, 
if you want to get in touch with feedback or complaints about the fact that we literally fucking never record podcast episodes. Yeah, Andy. Um, you can, <laughs> you can add us in Christine's D- uh, Discord from the TTA podcast. Um, no, uh, you can go to our website, boardandsassy.com and click contact um, and fill out that form. That will email us. Um, you can email us at boardandsassy at gmail.com. You can at us on Twitter at board and sassy. You can do other things, probably. Um, I think you normally say, like, and most of you know us. So oh, yeah, and most of you fucking us. know us. Um, also, there was a particular... We had a couple of bits of feedback from Jack from Yorkshire, and I'm so sorry that I totally did not remember to put them in the show notes because I just wanted to rant about things. Um... But yeah, uh, we will uh, chat about those. Hopefully, we're going to start recording again on a regular schedule. I'm making this promise now so that I can uh, promise that because we got responses to our form. (laughs) Sam is glaring at me a little bit. You're just setting us up to disappoint, Andy. I am setting us up for failure, which is all I ever do. Okay, that's all I'm capable of doing. And it's fine. It's not, I didn't mean to do that, but that's what I'm doing. Well, hey, at least we have some some very interesting current events unfolding right now. So I think it's likely that we'll have fresh material to talk about. Yeah, even there's a lot in a fucking week or going two, on. You know? And we are at this time 40 days out from our theoretical trip that may or may not happen due mm. to the continuing COVID-19 pandemic. So Thanks, Delta variant. Yeah. Well, also thanks, Ron DeSantis. Let's be fucking honest here. Because, like, not to go on an end of episode rant or nothing, but holy shit. It is not the Delta variant's fault. It is Ron DeSantis refusing any fucking safety measures, making it illegal for mask mandates to happen, trying to say that cruises can't fucking require vaccinations of their passengers. Sup, Michael K. Um, all of that shit is why COVID is surging there. And well, all he's fucking doing is pushing Regeneron and monoclonal antibodies because one of the people who profits the most from those things is one of his major donors. So like, Here. he's literally profiteering off the lives of his people. It makes him more money if his state gets fucking sick than it does if they just get vaccinated and mask up and don't get sick in the first place. So like... Ron DeSantis is a piece of shit, and he is why we may not end up on that trip. I'm really hoping that we do. Um, We are both vaccinated. We would both wear masks regardless. We were planning on wearing masks before the Delta variant came out and before Florida turned into a fucking dumpster fire, but more of a dumpster fire than it usually is. Um, But it... You know, it's really uncertain at this point, but maybe we'll have planning talk if we, you know... (laughs) We can at least have theoretical planning right, continue talk. To pretend pretend, that, we'll pretend that we're going, even if we think it's less and less likely. But yep, yep. Um, But yeah, uh, and that is its own adventure. So um, if you are here to share in the the bullshit and realness of planning a trip that may not come to pass, um, then tune in on next week's episode up oh, no I'm, I'm not doing no that. no, no we're, <laughs> never do that again never do that again all right well uh thanks for listening and we'll see y'all later bye bye
I fucking sick of it. Which one is me, blue or purple? You're blue. I fucking sick of it. I fucking sick of it. Ugh. Coming up hard at the seams. That's a Wolf Riders wall. Stop. Well, we're just recording a podcast episode for the first time in like six months. (laughs) 